Hello, and welcome to Hawks and Handsaws, the variety show where we talk about varieties of things. Today's variety is King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. I'm Brad, and this is Eric. Howdy. All. Speaking of varieties, you almost sounded Russian at the beginning of this. <laughs> that was definitely Hello. not. Hello. I am Brad. This is my friend Eric. We talk a movie. Yes. Um, so the uh, this movie, King Arthur Legend of the Sword, from my recollection, came out four years ago-ish to... Uh, critical critical meh and box uh-huh. office flop and i didn't actually even hear about it until you showed up and said hey i really like this movie so let's start there what was your first experience how did you find it how did i find it i i look for movies so i'm pretty much always on imdb and it always has things going on its banner on the home screen. Sure. So anytime I'm looking somebody up, I go onto IMDb, something flashes before my my screen there, and I oh look at this, something else is coming up. And yeah, so I'm always looking up new trailers and things. Okay. Even even the weird ones that nobody knows about. And yeah, so I was expecting this one to come. I think I was even looking this one up back when I was in college and I was proctoring like this pretest for an LSAT class. <laughs> and uh, I just remember looking up the stuff about this at the time and I was pretty excited. I love medieval stuff and I love fantasy stuff too and this seemed to be a good combination of both. So yeah. I was excited for it to come out even before it did come out. And uh, I remember watching the trailer for it, and it had this kind of uh, folksy song going over the top. And I was like, this is definitely a new style of King Arthur. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was kind of uh, kind of intrigued to see where they were going to go with it. And um, Yeah, so I went and saw it. I was excited to see it when it came out. And I, I seem destined to enjoy films that tank <laughs> every time. I didn't realize you were so what, what, like what's the word I'm looking for on the ball with the news of movies. Like I thought you just liked movies. I didn't realize you, you keep up with them pretty heavily. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I do more so now just because of my interest and, um, and looking up actors, my wife and I were all the time looking at people on screen and thinking, wait, I know that guy. Right. <laughs> and we're all, it's always kind of an unofficial competition to be better than the <laughs> other one as far as who can figure out where we saw them last or what their name is or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if we can't ever, if we can't figure it out, then it, it's, you have to resort to IMDb, of course. So, of course. Yeah. Huh. Since I'm on there so often, it does show me stuff. Interesting. Well, I, I think I do the same with um, video games. Like I'm very much on, like following the news. I know what's coming out. I know like the other things. I just didn't realize you were doing that with movies too. So it's cool. Yep. So the the movie itself. Um, when did you first watch it? Did you watch it in the theater? 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Watched it. Actually, I think we watched it twice in the theater. Okay. Uh, first time was just with my wife and myself, and then we went and invited a couple friends to see it. Okay. So. And was it immediate adoration for the movie? Uh, yeah, I think so. Like <laughs> I recognized early on, like, well, oh boy, this is dark. This is, this is mm-hmm. actually quite a bit darker than I usually care for. Uh, but yeah, I remember walking out of there thinking, but man, I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do you like about it? Why did it get past your, uh, your darkness line and that, that being okay? Um, that's a good question. There's so many things going on in this film and I think it's the same sort of things that everybody hated that made it work for me. <laughs> okay. um, first off, uh, it, the film is directed by Guy Ritchie and I've recently started enjoying a lot of his stuff. I've discovered, uh, the Sherlock Holmes films. Those were the ones with Robert Downey Jr. were probably his, uh, more commonly known works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll admit when I first saw the very first of those new Sherlock Holmes, I was like, this is kind of weird. This isn't Sherlock Holmes. What is this? <laughs> uh, but I warmed up to it and I, I started to really like it. And especially after the second one, there's just some really cool filmmaking going on with his style. It's just, it's very unique too. Nobody else quite does Guy Ritchie's style of filmmaking and the very, uh choppy editing but mm-hmm. like intentionally so um and using some creative things in the Sherlock Holmes films it was like doing that whole slow motion business while he's thinking through it and then doing it um in real time mm-hmm. uh after he thinks through a situation and in this one he brings kind of that same stuff to uh King Arthur and I really love to his uh, non-linear storytelling. He does that much more in this. I don't think he really does that in Sherlock Holmes, but he does so in this one where Mm -hmm. there's like, you're having the narrative go over the top. You have one character who's talking about something and then it cuts to a different scene, but it's the same conversation happening in -hmm. a different scene, but then it's cutting back to the other scene and they're still having the same conversation. (laughs) And there's just all kinds of stuff going on that's not having to do with straight beginning to end storytelling. And I love that so much. It's unique. It's inventive. Um, for one, I'm an English teacher and I, I like seeing things different. It, when you have everything so frequently done the exact same way, I I can't tell you how many essays I've got to read and they're all the same format, the same outline, the same content. And when you get that one who tried something new, you're like, yeah, that's the (laughs) stuff. Um, And this, I feel, does that. It tries new things with how to tell a story in a not-so-strict start-to-finish way. Mm -hmm. One of the coolest scenes, I think, is at the very beginning when um, there's this this guy, he's a black leg sergeant, um, and they're, they're basically they're the police of the of the time period, I guess. And they come into this establishment where Arthur is kind of running the show, and he doesn't know he's the king. 
he's just some dude who's been raised here and he's taking care of the ladies who work in this establishment, but he's now like taking control of the place that he's grown up. And, uh, so the, the black legs have come in and they're looking for this escaped convict. And he says, Hey, you, uh, you find a guy who's not supposed to be here. He's like, well, a lot of people come in and out of here. You're welcome to look around though. And, uh, so they finally find the guy as he's getting out. And Arthur is actually kind of one of the ones who prevents the guy from getting away and hands him off to the black leg, the black legs. But then the sergeant's like, in the back room, we need to talk right now. So then he's, he's like, what, what's, what's going on here, Jack? And he says, There's, you got some heat on you, Arthur. Your name keeps coming up. <laughs> And uh, so then they're like, wait, what are you talking about? So then he's like, I need to know some information. You kind of get the idea that they're in this relationship where it's like, I scratch my back, you scratch yours sort of situation. So we, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we keep everything on the DL here. But uh, if I'm going to help you out, you need to give me some information here, Arthur, about what's been going on. And so Arthur proceeds to tell him how their day went <laughs> and it's just jumping all around in the time frame. And part of it, too, is telling, like, Arthur has some things that he doesn't exactly want to divulge. He's hiding some things, and that's partially why it's a confusing storytelling technique. Um, but if you're quick and you're paying attention, it's not too difficult to figure out what's going on also. And it's just so much fun. It adds a lot of excitement and humor to an otherwise just kind of a bland telling of what happened during the day you know <laughs> so so i uh i went on youtube to pull it up because it's on youtube the, the purchased movie side note youtube has disabled hd for purchased movies for the time being so I was okay. watching it in SD until I noticed it. I'm like, there's something wrong. Like, why am I only at 480p? And so I had to go find a clip of the movie that... Anyway, that whole thing. So I watched it from the beginning. And the beginning starts off with a battle scene. Well, that's not true. Oh, yeah. The beginning starts off with a, a tower. Yes. With, that has true. fire on top of it. And they, like it just goes... Whoa. And then you're just kind of looking at the tower like, what? What? <laughs> then all of a sudden... <laughs> there's this huge army marching on Camelot after a quick page of text. And you're just like, oh, okay, here we go. Let's do the thing. Um, I think my favorite thing about this movie is it's like a 10 hour story in a two hour movie. Like I, I feel like there's so much crammed into this because like the battle scene, people are dying. People are blown up because of Mordred's fire. Cause Mordred's a bad guy, the evil mage. And he's just, destroying people with his fireballs and it's crazy and like it's a very unique fireball effect like you've seen so many fireballs on the screen you, you know what a, a wizard fireball looks like but it doesn't look like that in this movie like you can't even see the fire somehow but you know there's a fireball there like it's this crazy. Is like the steam and the sizzling and explosions steam and, sizzling and, and yeah. like people are being thrown by it and just explode into flaming ashes like it's a crazy effect but the the first thing that like the main character uther at the time hands um the crown to what's his face vortigern yeah, his brother vortigern and he's like i hold the crown and hold it steady you know, like that was his little line. 
And like so much is said about the character and how he said that. It's, it's, it's craziness. Like it's <laughs> the character building from that one line. The world's exploding. He's watching his like kingdom crumble. People are just blowing up in fire, like all over the place. His general just showing up and saying like the battle's lost. And what's important to the king at the time, like honor the crown, honor the position of king. Because that is a very powerful position that demands respect and we have to respect it. And then he goes and rides off by himself and like fights the bad guy. But there's so much that you learn about this character so fast. You know, like it's insane. And that happens throughout the entire movie. Like there are so many characters in this movie, like so many. Um, you have to like Arthur so fast. They have the growing up montage and like it's a two minute oh, montage. That's a great sequence. But you learn. I have never seen so a more efficient much. opening yeah. credit sequence. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I feel like that's the entire movie. Like it's just efficient in yes. the most fun, less like least clinical way. Yes. So that's that was my favorite thing about it. Um, I would label it a music video, almost because <laughs> of how like how intertwined the music and the action is. Okay. Like it's, okay. Because like when you think music video, um, some of them are just off the walls and don't have anything to do with music. It's fine. But like a lot of music videos, like the action is on the beat. Um, like things are like when the music transitions yes. to the chorus, it goes to like different things. Like the movie does that too. Um, like during the opening grow up montage, like I was talking about, um, Arthur's grown up now and he gets up out of bed and the music ramps up with like a screaming vocal kind of, and like Arthur gets up and you see him scream as he's like punching the air out of like, out of something i don't know exactly what emotion he has but like the music is doing the screaming <laughs> for him because he's not making sound like his audio is cut but like it yeah. it connects and so like it's it's unique filmmaking for sure and it it worked for me when i watched it the first time too and it's it's great yeah and i, I think that's part of the problem right is that because it's so new inventive and it took risks yes well, with risks, there's sometimes a payoff and sometimes not. And I sure. think this, this because it's such a unique story telling method that you're either going to just really dig it or not at all because <laughs> it's not familiar. It's not what you're familiar with, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it does take some getting used to and like it does some very quick British banter you know, mm -hmm. and if you if you're not used to that too, then it it might be tough to keep up with, yeah. um, as far as dialogue goes. Um, but yeah, it it does some. I think it does some really cool stuff with that, as far as what you were talking about the efficiency of storytelling. It's mm -hmm. like yeah, and you you care about things so fast. Yeah. Um, and they they do such a good job of of making that matter at that that opening sequence with the king is pretty dang cool where he's riding off on the horse by himself <laughs> and he jumps off the horse to its death you know but the king yeah. is yeah that's and, cool and like you, you again even the horse has character in that scene like <laughs> the, the horse is the royal steed of the king right and the horse like you you kind of think this for the horse like the horse is not running blindly i think the horse kind of knows what's up 
<laughs> and he's like, yep. he either does like I'm a dead. running jump to its death to get the king to where it needs to go. Like it's craziness. So yeah, I just watched it <laughs> just a few minutes ago. I'm like, man, I should watch this movie again. As soon as it's not SD quality, <laughs> but cause it, it's pretty, it's also very pretty. Um, yeah. I think we can talk a lot about the good. So let's hit a couple more good points. And I want to go to the parts we didn't like. Sure. So um, another thing that I really enjoyed about this was <sighs> I think it was like a unique twist on the story. So the King Arthur legend has like a very, it's been interpreted a lot. Right. Yep. Like it's, it's been done a lot of ways and I saw a lot of people irritated, like, well, that's not how the story goes. And I'm like, it's a legend. <laughs> okay. You know, like, <laughs> how would you just interpret it how you want? Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like I, I saw a Shakespeare play, um, a few months ago, um, in the, in a globe theater and, uh, it was set in like the sixties and it was, um, comedy of errors. Shakespeare never meant for his play to be set in the sixties <laughs> like with all of the crazy costumes and like attitudes. And um, they threw in some 60s slang into the Shakespearean language. Like they were just having fun with it. Right. Like it was their interpretation of something. They weren't trying to be, you know, picture perfect accurate. They were making it fun and modern and have a twist to it. You know, that's what they wanted. And I think that's totally yep. fine. And that worked for me. Like this story was not the traditional King Arthur legend. Um, I had a lot of weird stuff thrown in there, but like it made it new and fresh that I didn't know what was going to happen necessarily. Yes. I knew I knew pieces. I had the familiar, but then that familiar grounded me so I could see all the unknown and bring me into the world. And that was great. Yeah. Yeah, because that is one of the problems with some things, right? Is like you knowing what's gonna happen kind of ruins the experience. Um yeah. Rogue One, I think we already mentioned this in a previous podcast right is like okay we know everybody's gonna die <laughs> the only person <laughs> yeah. in the world who didn't was probably your sister but right. <laughs> it's just kind of ruins the ending a little bit whereas little this bit. one you these are kind of all new characters you don't know exactly who they are in the grand scheme of things you mm -hmm. you imagine that they're gonna end up as some of the main names that you know and love from arthurian folklore and legends Mm -hmm. Um, but you're not entirely sure who they are because they just, they're so unfamiliar at the beginning from the outset. Yeah. Um, I, I showed this film to your brother actually too. We got to watching it and, uh, he, he was really into it. And he said, one of the things that he liked about it was the fact that there, there felt like things were at stake, like yeah. enough bad things happened that you weren't sure who was going to make it and who wasn't, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And with that you're like you're invested in the story yeah um, absolutely yeah because people die in this story <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah, they do <laughs> and it's brutal occasionally you're just like oh, oh back to the making you care about things yeah like they make you care about those people that don't make it because <laughs> i think there's in popular media there's there's two versions of um, character death, I think. So there's the the Marvel version, where it only happens when very telegraphed and very convenient, right? So um, 
spoilers for the MCU for any crazy person who hasn't <laughs> seen Endgame. You know, Iron Man dies at the end of that. Iron Man's been in like 50 movies by then. And Robert Downey Jr. was done uh, just acting that character. And he's like, okay. And then like, it was just very telegraphed that he wasn't going to make it. Like that was, that was kind of seen coming. It wasn't like, Oh, what a surprise. You know, like it was, it was handled in such a way that like everybody could grieve appropriately. There was a lot of time spent on it. You know, it's nice. Um, then there's the, the new Star Trek version of that where nobody dies <laughs> except for the red shirts. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> Kirk died in Into Darkness when uh, Khan killed him or the reactor killed him or something. And then they brought him back to life because like, no, we need more movies with him. Just bring him back. <laughs> yeah. And to be fair, the original series did that with Spock. They brought him back too. But like it's when you have characters that just come back, you lose the sting. And then the, in the Marvel version, it's, you know, like it, it's an appropriate time for the character to die. And it's, it's a, everybody's okay with it. They're sad, but like, it's not, it doesn't hurt things in this movie. They're losing valuable people, you know? Yep. And it is like, Oh no, <laughs> what do we do now? Or like, Oh no, like these people were integral. Like these are close friends. Like, and we still have so far to go. Um, Cause like Iron Man died at the end after they all won. Like, Everybody yeah. could just high five at that point. There's no like, okay. But imagine if they lost Iron Man in like the uh, the time heist part, you know, like <laughs> he, he gets sucked back to the past and couldn't get back. And he just dies in like in the past or something like that would be so much harder for the team to cope with. And that's what this movie does. It, it puts it in the middle of the action, right? When you're like, oh, he'll get out of it. Uh, oh, oh, no, no, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't he didn't get out of it oh no and yeah and, it's, it's and part of that part of that too i think comes with a believable villain you know sure um and dang jude law as vortigern he was a scary dude yeah. <laughs> you know you just anytime that you you're in a scene with him you're just like Ooh. <laughs> Is everyone going to make it out of this scene? <laughs> and be, yeah, he's just so scary. Um, my wife even now, she's like, I don't like him. Every time I see him now, <laughs> he scares me. Because <laughs> he, was, he was a scary dude in this movie. He was, yeah. Uncompromisingly brutal and vicious. But like not in a, in a cheesy way. No. Like, it's terrifying. <laughs> A lot of filmmakers try this thing where, like, you want to see how bad the bad guy is? Look, he just killed that henchman, you know, because you know, that henchman you know, made a mistake. Look look how mean that villain is. And it doesn't work. It's like, of course you did, because you're a moron. <laughs> That's why you did what you did. But Vortigern doesn't do that. Like, it, it's never about this overt show of whatever. You know, he's all, like, at least to his little inner circle. It's very, very different how he portrays the villain, and it works so much better than the cookie cutter, evil, uncompromising villain that I'm, I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, before we transition to some negatives here, I did have a trivia question for you. I figured you would. Here we go. <laughs> so, 
this was originally supposed to kick off like this whole series of King Arthur films. Oh, really? How many films did they originally have planned for this series? I'm, I'm sad now that there isn't a series. <laughs> um, okay. I feel like seven is reaching too far. A trilogy is too easy, so let's go five. Five movies. Hey, that's, that's pretty darn close. The four six. 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 It was supposed to be six. <laughs> six movies? That's pretty intense. <laughs> that's a lot of movies. Okay. Yeah. It's supposed to be six films. Wow. Aren't you sad that you never got to see them? <laughs> I am pretty sad. We need some... Uh, billionaire to go fund those i mean it's kind of late but maybe yeah sneak it in six even still though i am i am slightly glad because i feel like whenever you got a series they've got to up the ante every time make it darker and more evil you know make the stakes higher and since they were already pretty intense in this one i was like maybe maybe it's a good thing (laughs) i don't know that (laughs) i could have handled much more (laughs) yeah I mean, (laughs) I've been watching the MCU, which is why I keep bringing up Marvel examples. I love the first Iron Man. It's really good. And I'm watching them in um, timeline order. So in timeline order, it goes Iron Man 1, then immediately to Iron Man 2. Um, Like the, the villains are the same thing to me in both of those movies it's like iron man is so powerful nobody can stop iron man wait somebody made an iron man suit gonna fight iron man (laughs) oh no yeah (laughs) then iron man saves the day what happens the next one Uh oh iron man can beat anybody wait somebody built an iron man suit (laughs) they're gonna fight iron man again it's like okay sure this time there's more robots and whatever like the, the villain doesn't matter in those movies at all. And so, like, it's it's just about Iron Man flying around blowing stuff up. In, in this particular one, the villain meant everything. You know, Vorgan was the driving force of the plot the entire time. And he meant so much to it. So where do you go for a movie to? Like, what do you what do? You do? Yeah. Is, do you, is it know. the Vikings? The Viking deal? And, like, explore that? I, I doubt it. I, I feel like so they they ended up ended off on this film with um, him finally becoming the king that he was meant to be, right? And he had the round right. table set up. <clears throat> so I think this opened it up for some of the more traditional stories, you know, of what they do. This opened it up for more of the traditional stories as to what they usually do as. Um, the Knights of the Round Table, and you know, like that, uh, you could have done all kinds of different things. There, there was that recent film that came out, right? The Green Knight. Um, I don't know if you heard anything about that one. It I, seemed I, like I, a really artsy. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. It, yeah, it was. Uh, um, it was a really artsy-looking version of Arthurian legend, and I think that's what. Um what this series could have done is it could have taken a bunch of side stories of things and reimagined them in all kinds of cool new ways. You know, there was also 
I mean, the the Badlands, or not the Badlands, the Darklands. There was the Darklands. There mm-hmm. was all kinds of undiscovered magic in this world, too, that could have gotten into. There was Merlin that we never met. Right. Um, so lots of different places, I think, that we could have gone that we just didn't get the chance to. Lots of different places that we could have explored in this world. We even, like, while he's going through the that forest, um on the way to the castle one time you see all the dryads in the forest you know they're like peeking out of the trees at him um so there's a lot of magic going on do you remember that part i don't remember that part i really gotta watch this movie again it's just (laughs) so i don't mind but okay yeah it's the the one where he's marching on camelot you know on his own so that um he can face off against vortigern near the end and uh the Wizard S, the mage, that's what they called him. Mage, the yeah. mage. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, like has the snake that she like makes bite mm-hmm. him in the neck or something because somehow its venom was magical and did something. I don't know exactly what it was supposed to do. But, <laughs> 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 but yeah, he saw things that he otherwise would not have been able to see and it was the dryads in the forest were part of it on the way to Camelot, but oh, crap. that's when they, I, I missed that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> There's also that cool sequence too, with the lady of the lake. I really liked her too. Um, you know, where she grabs his hand through the puddle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> well, let's talk some negatives here. I'll, I'll start. A couple of those CG Excalibur scenes were a little weird. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mostly yeah, the end one. Mostly the when end one. When they're in Camelot, where yeah. he's doing that fight scene, it looks a little cartoony. Yeah, it becomes a video game cutscene, which is which is weird. Like, the quality drops significantly. Like, in, <clears throat> I have a weird relationship with this. Like, I, I enjoy the Matrix films, and occasionally, like epic fight doing stuff fighting agent smith you know neo being neo then all of a sudden it becomes video game neo and it's like very obvious <laughs> yeah especially nowadays it's like okay this is a rubber <clears throat> neo you know just fighting <laughs> cg enemies like it did that in that one scene and it was it was hard because i'm like this is so cool because just to use the, the two-handed power of excalibur and it's a very epic moment and i'm like okay well let's do this thing let's fight the bad guys for storming camelot and then i'm like but it looks weird <laughs> but yeah like it, i stumbled on that part particularly but but like i don't know i'm kind of forgiving in that regard too because yeah. nobody has yet made it super believable Sure. You know, to go all out in that regard, nobody yet has made it. We're like, oh, yeah, that looked real. But at the same time, it also, like, it was stylized to begin with. So, sure. <laughs> you know, it's so it's like, okay, it, how how do you make this fake-looking sequence look, quote, unquote, real anyway? What does real look like when it's an impossible situation? <laughs> That's a great point. Um, following Corridor Crew on YouTube, their like visual breakdowns and stuff of, of VFX, they they talk a lot about like how do you make something that's impossible 
like look like it's possible and that's just hard <laughs> yeah. to do like if you have a man with a sword who's running faster than like the speed of light well wrecking people like how do you make that look real like you can't <laughs> because like if that actually happened everything would just explode <laughs> like, <laughs> you know man yep. moving at this speed like he's going so fast and like it, it's so stylized you can't you can't make it look real so i get it i get it but for some reason that particular scene did bug me on the first or first and second watch throughs i'm like okay didn't didn't yeah. quite like that it's um, not the best at that part, I'll admit. The, I, I thought they did the first one much better where you don't mm-hmm. actually see him. It's just kind of like his face kind of comes up occasionally in the uh, dust cloud, you know, mm-hmm. and you get the impression of things happening. You see things occasionally. Um, but then after it's all over, the dust kind of falls and clears and he's just like... <sighs> <sighs> it was believable. You're like, okay. Because he's yeah. just like super breathing hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it says something for obscuring some of the details, I guess. Oh, definitely. It's a, it's a wonderful tool that people should do more sometimes. Because <laughs> <laughs> some things just don't look great. Um, but yeah, like nothing looked bad in this film. I do want to say that. Like that scene did bother me a tiny bit, but. Um, the other part that bothered me was the, the, the stone as part of the sword and the stone equation. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, you have Uther fighting evil Vortigern in monster form or whatever, and, uh, doing that fight and fights fine. And then at the end, you know, Uther's defeated, he's going down and like, it, it just seems weird. You know, like, I'm about to die. I'm the king. My son's floating away on a little boat. I need to keep Excalibur safe. You know, what, what do I do? And, like, <laughs> the last thing in my mind would be throw it up in the air in such a way that I get impaled by my own sword in the back. <laughs> then I will transform into a boulder and then sink into a lake magically. But where did that come from? It seems so, like, it, so weird. <laughs> but that's it was what actually weird. happened. Yeah. And and that's, I think that's the biggest question if that's what actually happened, because like we go through that dream sequence a few times and it seems like it's slightly different on a few occasions, Mm -hmm. what actually did happen, you know, and he has that sequence where he catches the sword instead. So like, wait, he wasn't there to actually catch it. (laughs) So, um, what's real and what's not gets slightly blurred. So it was always my, my interpretation that it was just kind of a stylized version of the whole thing. Okay. Uh, whether or not it happened legitimately that way. But all the same, it was a weird way to stylize it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Like, and <clears throat> make it like an incantation, right? Like if you need it to be stabbed in a rock at the bottom of the lake, have Uther say something to the sword and then just like smash it through the pier so it just goes into the bottom of the lake. That'd be super cool. Like why does it need a... Or, or hug him. it or something. <laughs> or, or hug it and jump in the water. Or like, yeah, have the lady of the yeah. lake put it in there. Like, I don't know. There's just there's other ways to do it. And impaling yourself so you transform into a rock seemed like the least likely option. And I didn't I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. But those, those are my gripes. Do you have any gripes? 
Oh yeah, so I guess there was the one I, I mentioned with the the whole snake bite thing. I don't really know what the whole point of that was. Uh, <laughs> it didn't really seem to help at all. It just was an excuse for some cool sequences along the way. But like, sure, it opened up the world, and you can see that there was magic all around. It was a little, it was still a little strange. Didn't really <laughs> progress the story in that mm-hmm. regard. Um, also. As much as I enjoyed it, what was his name? Um, was it Mischief Jim or something like that? One of the... Uh, it, okay, so they all have their, their cave where they hang out, right? All right. the good guys. The Robin Hood and his merry men. I mean, King Arthur. I mean, just Arthur and his <laughs> not merry men. <laughs> and his wisecracking friends. they're they're in this cave and they come back and it's been ransacked right a lot of the people have been either killed or taken captive and there's the one guy there who's the messenger and as much as i like his character like he's just uh he's annoyingly evil you know he's just very nonchalant about his evil nature and he kind of brings up you know I'm not going to hear the end of this. It was my turn to cook dinner tonight. You know, <laughs> my wife's going to get angry at me. And here he's just been out killing people. <laughs> like, and it's just, he turned it into this you know, argument with his wife. But um, he gives the message, you know, um, show up alone or the girl and the boy die. Oh, that was it. Well, I'll see you guys. And uh, they step in his way and he's like, anything you do to me will be repaid 10, like 10 times in kind or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like, okay, can they really do anything worse at this point? Come on. (laughs) What are they going to do if they lose this one guy? Take this guy down right now. (laughs) What's he going to do? Okay. And the fact that they just let him walk. Come on. What? (laughs) Heck no. Heck no. He's a dead man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I guess I guess it doesn't quite make sense, does it? No. Just write it on a piece of paper and call it call it a deal. Don't leave a person behind, but whatever. Okay. So a bad guy getting away with just walking out. <laughs> He's just walking out. Uh, I was not impressed with that. Okay. Um, also, okay, so as as cool as the whole Darklands sequence was, mm-hmm. uh, there's another one that I wonder why. Like it, there, there seemed to be a little bit of wasted exposition there um, because... He like he goes through the Darklands. The whole point of going through the Darklands was so that he'd be able to control Excalibur, right? He yeah. every time he double hands Excalibur, he passes out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of unfortunate. Um, so he needs to go there so that he can then see everything that happened to his dad and come to grips with whatever you know his childhood fears. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So he goes there, experiences all that heck along the way with the giant bats and snakes and wolves and everything. And then he has the vision of what happens uh, and then comes back and collapses kind of again. They nurse him back to health and he it's still kind of too powerful for him. Like he tries to grip it and he, he lets go while he's in the river. Um, and he, he still can't do it. He's not passing out, but he's, he can't do it. And, and then the mage girl, she comes up and she says, did you see everything that you needed to see? And I don't know why that that's the first character I suddenly didn't try to do the voice of, but I always try to do everybody's voice. for. <laughs> did you see everything you needed to see? <laughs> anyway. Um, and he's, and then he's like, what are you talking about? And uh, she says, or did you look away? Don't get me wrong. We all look away. I look away. But that is the difference between a man and a king. And uh, so it's like, okay, he didn't see everything that he needed to see, right? Mm -hmm. So then what was the whole point in that sequence? (laughs) (laughs) That was a really long sequence. Sure. For him to go through the dark lands, to see that vision and not get it all. And he finally gets it all later. But it was just, okay. Wow. Wasn't the dark lands like three minutes tops? Okay. Like it wasn't as long as it could have been. Let's get sure. Let's, let's Again, be honest. The efficiency here, of this movie is crazy, but it's very um, efficient. <laughs> efficient in its wasted exposition. Um, yes. But like, yeah, what? It, for something that didn't pay off, it was too long. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. There was there was much more invested into that sequence than came out of it. I felt like something was missing. Hmm. You know? So yeah, that was that was a little bummer. Didn't quite get what was going on there. And okay. also, you know, we have our at the end of the day, we've got our villain, the big bad fight at the end between the two. Our villain doesn't quite monologue, but he does something similar. <laughs> you know, he, he he's suddenly very honorable when he's fighting the good guy for some reason. You know, they, they're duking it out. They go into the dark lands, I think, when they're fighting. And uh, they start battling and like Arthur gets taken out. He's down. He slaps his head against the side of the rock, mm-hmm. flat on the ground. And that's where he goes through that whole vision sequence and finally sees everything that he needs to see. Mm-hmm. And so then he gets up, props himself up, and looks back. And Vortigern is back where he started, over by the altar, and turns mm-hmm. around to look at him again like, wait, what? <laughs> Dude, that was your moment to finish him off. <laughs> he was down for the count. What are you doing? It was, I mean, that's very nice of you for the good guy to have his, you know, revelatory moment and all, but why? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yeah. yeah. A couple of matter vibes here and there, but overall, I don't think they affect the movie much at all. No. Like, I, I've, I've never been like, if I was to write the movie, those wouldn't take points off, I don't think, so... 
Yes, yeah, if you guys couldn't tell already, we thoroughly enjoyed this film. Yeah, we, so. we both really like this movie, and it's, it's hard to find things to gripe about. <laughs> the CG doesn't look perfect. How dare it? <laughs> In one sequence. Um, yeah, like it's it's a fantastic movie. And I think the last thing I want to say as we close out this podcast is uh, the style. Like the the costuming, the music, oh, the... Yeah. Yeah. the color grading of the, the movie like it's all so unique you know like you, you have these terrible guards you know dressed in like all black and like well, wow original all black guards but like they look different it's stylish all black guards yeah like it's yeah. it's a strange thing but they're, they're different enough to be like they're creepy they're intimidating and but they're they're also different so it's cool i really like how this movie looks yeah yeah that's one of the i think that was probably one of the quickest things that you could identify about this film was the the visual style of it and Mm -hmm. like the color grading like you were saying everything was much more muted with the colors and everything which i mean that's kind of reminiscent of the medieval era it's the dark ages (laughs) it wasn't (laughs) intended to be happy you know Mm -hmm. um so I, i think that they did that visually but then they do have some modern influences in there right the sure. the guard uniforms look a little clean um mm-hmm. and they're not the i don't know oh, i'm not sure what the word is i'm looking for but they're they're not quite the brutish forms of armor and things that you're used to from the actual medieval times like they're slightly elegant and everything like that they look like their their clothes are cut to fit and everything like that so there's there's a lot of modern influence going into this. You've got Arthur who's wearing white and it looks like this very nice shirt that's on him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it looks cool, though. It, it works, I think. Uh, oddly enough, I don't know if you saw the new Robin Hood. Um, with, oh, shoot, Taron Egerton. Is that how you say his name? I don't know how you say his name. But he's he plays the the titular Robin Hood. Man, I don't get to use that word often. That's a good um, word. I really do. <laughs> and Jamie Foxx is in it too. Um, but like they tried to do that with the modern clothes and everything, but somehow they it didn't work in their version. You can hmm. tell that someone who made that film saw King Arthur Legend of the Sword and said, oh, that's a cool idea. Let's capitalize on that. <laughs> and they weren't able to make it work as well for some reason. Yeah. Um, but this one, it, it did a weird blending of modern and ancient at the same time. And it, it looked cool, I think. Fantastic. I think that's our podcast. Watch the yeah. movie if you haven't. Do it, it's, do it now. It's great, guys. Really, it is great. Keep an open mind. Maybe maybe go into it thinking it's going to be terrible, and then you'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> Set the bar so low that even if you trip, you trip over it, and it's fine. That's right. Yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, uh, until next time. <laughs>